this is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Just a short time ago, according to a U.S. official, the U.S. government announcing up to $3 billion in assistance, military assistance, which will be drawn already from a system they have in place for Ukraine specifically, not taken from U.S. stockpiles of munitions and armament. That will be something very much welcomed by officials here who feel that their grinding conflict with the Russians hasn't seen much progress in recent weeks. It's a stalemate. And with the threat of missiles now here in the capital where I'm standing and elsewhere in the country, they want to make sure attention is still on their conflict and their defense of their nation. Alison? Okay, welcome. You're in the war room uh, battleground. We're going to start in Ukraine and with Dr. Fauci. Then we're going to go to some battleground states, Nevada, New Hampshire. We're going to talk about Florida, New York. Everything's happening today. It's a primary day. Uh, I want to go to... um, Ben Harnwell in Rome. And Ben, thank you for uh, staying up with us to, to do this. But um, Ben, give us a perspective. Correct me if I'm wrong, brother, but did every European country refuse to send their so, so, so-called committed aid in the month of July and nothing as we know is coming August? There's some huge controversy around the Financial Times article about Equipment getting laundered from Ukraine back into criminal gangs in Europe and making the security situation there worse. And also where non-military aid is actually going. Ben Harnwell, your perspective, particularly today with the invasion of the southern border of the United States wide open, three billion. They're just up in your face, Ben Harnwell. Good evening, Steve. Yes, um, that's that's absolutely true. The, the story just to the story. Um, that you're referring to is that in the month of July, not a single European Union country um, made any further fresh new pledges of aid. It's not to say they didn't give anything that they had already committed. It's just that in that whole calendar month of July, nothing new was promised from continental Europe. Quite, quite different, I have to say, from the United States. The three stories I'm going to tie in um, for, for you today, Steve, are... Um, in and of themselves, perhaps they wouldn't raise eyebrows. It's the point, and this is what I'm very proud about, the, the, the work that the War Room does. It, it, it's it's the, the connections we make between events which aren't ostensibly connected. They are, of course. The mainstream media won't draw those uh, lines. But this is, this is, this is the, the, the forte of the War Room, the connecting of the dots. So the first one, and I'll do the three billion. I'm going to close with that. But the first story is I just want to indicate how performative um, the the news is that our our overlords are spoon feeding to us. So you've got the context of the three billion, which I'm going to dive into. One would think, therefore, that that the Ukraine is really melting down and in crisis. However, I think the war room 
it's probably the, the only voice that has persistently been indicating other newspapers that have given little snippets here and there. But the war room has been absolutely on this. We talked, we spoke two months ago about how all the Ukrainians were down at the beach when, uh, when there wasn't baby formula in the United States. A month or so ago, uh, when all these fresh inflation reports were coming in one after another, the war room indicated that the Ukrainians were enjoying open air concerts in Mariupol. Right, which is supposed to, we're led to believe it's just a, a ruined shell of a city. There were open air, air concerts there, and we, we spoke about the, the opera, the, the ballet, the theatre that, that Ukrainians were enjoying. Today, Steve, um, I, I don't want, you know, people might hit on the wall and say, all we do is, is bring out bad news. I've got some good news for you today. The good news is, is that the, the football season, the soccer season, as Americans call it, kicks off today, literally 1, 1 p.m local time in Kiev, right? Um, and I'm just going to quickly cover the, the, the remarks given by um, the captain of the Shakhtar Donetsk team, which is one of the two teams that were playing in Kiev Olympic Stadium today. The captain's called Taras Stepanenko, and he said, I think the teams, the players, will be proud of this event. We are ready, we are strong, and I think we will show to all the world Ukrainian life and our will to win. And interestingly, the Associated Press adds this editorial comment. Under threat of Russian attacks in a war that stopped um, soccer in Ukraine since February, a new league season starts today in Kiev with the goal of restoring some sense of normal life. That is what the Department of Defense and the White House briefings aren't going to let you know, right? First story. Second story, um, another indication of just how performative things are, the U.S. Embassy in Kiev um, urged all U.S. citizens to leave. And they said the U.S. Embassy, this is citing Department um, of uh, Depart the State Department um, information, the U.S. Embassy urges U.S. citizens to depart Ukraine now using privately available ground transportation options if it is safe to do so. Totally performative because, as we've just discovered, because the, the football season is, is, is literally kicking off. Now let's go to that three billion. Um, and I, I noticed in the cold open, the CNN cold open, one of the guy, the, the guy there who, did, who, who was speaking, the correspondent, explicitly made a reference to the fact that this, these funds were going to be very well received by officials in Kiev. Hold on to that throwaway remark, because I'm going to come back to it at, at the end of this. So here's, here's a story here. And it's, um, I, I note that, again, Associated Press indicates that this time, this package of $3 billion indicates a shift to a longer-term campaign, which is more likely to keep American military troops in Europe in the fight for years to come. That is Associated Press. That, that, that is the escalation and then trenching down. You guys thought you got out of Afghanistan and a forever war in the Middle East, but you've been thrown right back into another one. Here's another line um, from the Associated Press briefing on this. In addition to providing longer term assistance that Ukraine can use for potential future defense needs, the new package is intended to ensure, is intended to reassure Ukrainian officials that the United States intends to keep up its support, regardless of the day-to-day -day back and forth of conflict. 
right? I'm going to repeat that. This new package is intended to reassure Ukrainian officials that the United States um, has to stay in power. I read that and I thought, blimey, is that where we are now? Is this really where we are? It is now the priority of civil servants paid by American taxpayers who are, who are unsackable up until we get this Schedule F in, in 2024 20, 20, to kick in. Their priority is appeasing Ukrainian officials the very day that they're sending them three billion more of US taxpayers' money. Right? I should have given a public health warning before this, this segment, Steve. I should have advised people you know, who, who suffer perhaps high blood pressure or angina or, or, or what have you to take a couple of aspirins because that but, really got ben, me going. Ben, the, the report is amazing. Here's the question for you in Europe. You know, we're, we're spending a lot of time on Maloney's uh, rise to power in Italy. We're talking about what's happened through the rest of Europe. They haven't made any fresh commitments. The 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 gas prices you saw in the UK, the uh, the Citicorp is saying that the inflation is not going to be 13 percent that the Bank of England says it's going to be 18 percent. And Dave Walsh, our energy consultant and you know a contributor, is on here yesterday saying it's going to quadruple in the UK by spring of next year. And natural gas is it? Does it look from Rome, when you're in Rome from the perspective that the only power that's backing Ukraine for a continued escalation is the United States or are there any nations in Europe now because the Germans are all wrapped around the axle is even the EU or the party of Davos is anybody escalatory at least on the military side that you see to the level that the United States is they're following America's lead Steve if America were to change the mood, mood music and the substance and, and, and decisive action, the continental Europe would 100% fall in behind that. All throughout the beginning, if you, over the, and I think we, it's a six-month anniversary tomorrow um, of the start of, of the war. Pretty much Europe, the European Union, I should say, and, and the, mem the, the, the 27 member states, they've been waiting at every single step of the way to see what the United States is going to do and then to fall in line behind the United States. Obviously, you know, you, you're, you're the greatest military power, the greatest economy um, on the face of the planet. It'd be pointless moving ahead without American support. Um, so the, the lead is, is set by the United States and Europe will, will fall in behind that. In fact, the outgoing Draghi, Mario Draghi um, government here uh, that resigned in Italy, um, that was really criticised. Uh, uh, one of the, the big domestic accusations against that was that was that Draghi was following too much of an Atlanticist position. Now that doesn't mean cultural yeah. affinity to the values of the United States. It means following the lead of the United States military-industrial complex. Yes, Ben, uh, what's your? You've been doing great uh, uh, briefings on Getter. What is your social media? People can get up to you because you're probably the top. I think at least person voice into the American media on all, all the complexity of Ukraine and what's really going on. Not the happy talk they're hearing on MSNBC or Fox. No, not the neoliberal neocon pom poms. Well, it's very kind of you, Steve. Um, I'm, I'm my social media is exclusively Getter. Simply my surname, Harnwell. I'm an at Harnwell. Go for the ver verified account because there are some fake accounts floating around there. And that's where I'm pushing out my analysis and my live streams. I push out my hits here on, on the war room. 24-7. Thank you very much, Ben Harnwell, our Thanks, international Steve. editor. Let's go. We have Dr. Paul Alexander. Let's, let's play the, uh, his cold open, and then we'll go to him.
Today's the day. Today's the day. We've been waiting for. We've been waiting for. We've been masked to the max and washing our hands galore. I'm gonna roll, roll, roll my sleeve. Cause when I get my vaccine, I'm protecting my whole community. Fauci, my Fauci ouchie. Sit on the couch. When will we be able to hug our families again? Dr. Fauci, uh, that's tough for a lot of families right now. What's your advice? I know it's tough. You want to hug the ones you love, but you have to be careful. I would encourage all parents to get their children vaccinated. I'm also encouraging children to ask for the vaccine. We have an important question from some curious kids about the coronavirus vaccine. Will the vaccine be safe and available for kids? When do you think a kid my age will be able to take the vaccine? And we're anxious to get you vaccinated. We're gonna start some trials in children. So just hang in there a couple of more months and we'll be in good shape. Fauci, my Fauci ouchie. They call it the Fauci effect. More students than ever before are applying for med school inspired by Dr. Fauci. The last thing before we go tonight, in Fauci we trust. Hey guys, we're gonna begin this morning with Dr. Anthony Fauci on the cover of an unlikely magazine. In Style has chosen Dr. Fauci as their cover model. I, I thank Fauci. I thank um, I thank even, uh, even Mitt Romney. You know, you are the most respected, the most admired. When you speak, we listen. What's your level of confidence in Dr. Fauci? Uh, total. Which actor would you want to play you? Um, here are some suggestions that I've heard. Ben Stiller, Brad Pitt, which one? They have lied uh, about uh, Dr. Fauci. On behalf of millions of Americans, we appreciate your leadership and your dedication. You have to be a moron to believe it, but there are, I guess, a lot of morons out there. Something called Plandemic. A new report shows that under Fauci's direction, the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Disease funded painful and deadly experiments on dogs. The military administered 2.8 million doses, later developed chest pain. Tests showed it was myocarditis. They might be wondering how someone in such great shape could suffer cardiac arrest. He has this data, he knows this data. He is Mangala on steroids. We have breaking news from the White House. Dr. Anthony Fauci is retiring. I want the audience to calculate the odds of this happening. You, you think divine providence is not working in our lives? Elect me and I'm gonna hire Dr. Fauci. The Biden administration understands how bad it's gonna be and lead to prison for Tony Fauci. Fauci, you're going to prison. Preserve your documents, baby. A lot of folks coming for you hard, dude. Everything you've done to this country, every lie, what you did to, with the CCP, what you did in Wuhan, it's all coming out. How do you debunk something like that? People want to fire me or put me in jail for what I've done. It's, it's preposterous, Chuck. If you are trying to get at me, you're, you're attacking, attacking science. science. Okay, we have Dr. Paul Alexander. Dr. Alexander, in our questioning and, and prodding and uh, calling out Fauci over the last two years, are we questioning science or medicine, sir? Uh, thanks, Steve. Once again, it's an honor to be on your show. I know you're not questioning science because Dr. Fauci does not represent science. Look, we've been dealing with Fauci now for two and a half years. And I can say, as an academic scientist, I've schooled all over the world and worked in uh, World Health, uh, the Government of the United States, Infectious Diseases Society of America, etc. I would say today that Dr. Fauci has, to me, become, he's probably the most inept, unqualified so-called experts because every single thing that he has done in terms of the lockdowns with, with books has been flat wrong. Every single COVID lockdown, school closure, 
mass-mandate business closure has failed. In fact, they've harmed Americans devastatingly. And I so want to also how did say, he? The, the, yeah, yeah. Keep, keep going. Keep going, Doctor Alexander, because I have a follow-up question. But keep going. When when Walensky came out two days ago, and she said three days ago that uh, CDC was not up to the task, and uh, they made a lot of mistakes, etc. First of all, I think she came the closest to the on, to be honest to the truth. CDC is not a public health agency. It operates today as a political arm of the government, and it worked. CDC worked with NIH and FDA to subvert then President Trump. It works today, CDC, to cover up and protect President Biden. And what she said was a devastating takedown. And when Fauci came out the day after to try and clean it up, he then said that, well, we should not blame only Walensky. The, the deficiencies and the problems predated Walensky. Well, that's when I was at the Trump administration. That goes back to Friedman's time in Obama. When Deborah Burks came out yesterday to say, well, it's maybe a transparency issue. Dr. Burks was being very duplicitous and lied. This is not an issue of transparency. This is an issue of flat wrongs, lies, deceit. The CDC worked to subvert Porter's Trump. Every single COVID policy, from lockdowns to school closures, including the vaccines, these COVID gene injections have all failed. And they've damaged America. They've damaged the reputation of America. They hurt American people, devastatingly, particularly our children and minorities. Okay, okay. Hang, 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 hold, hold on a second, hang on a second, hang on a second. I, I wanna go back and, cause you, you've got some pretty big charges here and you were part of President Trump's administration. Yes. You're saying the CDC and the FDA and the rest of the, the kind of public health worked to subvert the Trump administration, but they work because they're a political arm, but they work in concert to protect the Biden administration. Can you give us yeah. a couple of examples to I mean, back up your point of subversion of, of Trump and protection of Biden? Well, if you look at, for example, if you look at their reports, their, their MMWR reports, those reports are written as a political hit piece. And during the Trump administration, as President Trump, week by week, was moving forward from about June of 2020, you can see that they were keeping in step with what his statements or his policies were, and they were quickly commissioning within CDC and they have a lot of employees who sit around most of the time. They would write a report completely averse and opposite to what his position was, so much so that he created tremendous confusion. It's not only what I am saying. Dr. Walensky has said that they have made a lot of mistakes. And I had the privilege, in, in fact, the reason why I wanted to come on to your show is to say this. When I joined the Trump administration, my position was a senior pandemic advisor out of HHS. Um, Burks, uh, Redfield, uh, Fauci, etc., Han, they all had sub offices in my building. So I had the privilege of working with these people, meeting these people in various ways in different meetings. I can tell you this this is what I wanted to share so you would understand my perspective. My task, I was tasked particularly 
whilst my job was at the HHS, I was requested by persons on both sides of the aisle, be it Democrat and Republican, be it Senate and House, that my actual job was to produce uh, an analysis and reporting that would eventually go to the Congress and the Senate so that they can begin investigations of the CDC. The way I was explained it on arrival to Washington was that this is something in the making for many years, and they needed to find someone who could be trusted, would not leak what they were doing, and would actually produce a very high-level reporting and analysis of the CDC, of the alphabet agencies, but starting with CDC. Because it's not that they wanted to, to remove the CDC. They wanted to fix the CDC and help and remake and remodel. But they needed an analysis that they can go then to Congress to begin hearings. Why? Because the way it was explained to me is that the CDC was broken and the CDC is a corrupted agency. And I can tell you, <clears throat> from my analysis, by not going directly into what the findings were and where I got in the analysis, it was shocking to me that how the CDC uses and used their guidance and the MMWR reports as a political hit piece and how they use them with very shady, very uh, suboptimal methodology. The methodology, the statistics, the science was all wrong. And um, they came up with the guidance that actually created more of a problem in the society and uh, created a lot of confusion. And that was my position. And uh, well, you know how it ended up with me in the sense that by September, I resigned. But um, that was my job. My job was to take a deep dive into the CDC. And um, I actually began that process. And uh, did your, did well, your, did, we got about, did, did you get, a, did you ever end up uh, delivering a preliminary report? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> at the time of my resignation, first of all, I was asked to produce the report use all of the government facilities and technology. So I did all of my reporting. I did all of my work using all of the government tools, etc. cetera. And uh, I would say by the time I resigned, uh, the report was not complete. But remember, it was, it was me doing the report, me doing the analysis. Everything resides with me. And um, they took back, suddenly, uh, it was kind of explained to me that there's word now in Washington that someone, some group is actually examining the CDC behind the scenes. People began to explain to me that they have realized it was myself. And um, I was requested to, to immediately bring my cell phone, my work laptop, everything back to the office. And everything was taken back. So... But the point of view is that the point I'm trying to make is this is such a serious issue. What Walensky said three days, four days ago is not something that has happened today. Many people in the United States government on both sides, that's the good news. They have recognized the failures of, of CDC and they were trying to do something and they are trying to do something about it. And what she said actually is almost true. And, and Dr. Fauci, I believe between Fauci and Burks, they have sat upon the gravest, greatest public health disaster. I can say from being in Washington, 
from sitting in meetings, from listening to these people, listening to all of the confusion behind the scenes when President Trump was there. They subverted him. They worked against him. And they enacted policies. The lockdown policies hurt Americans devastatingly. They would have never worked. They did not work. And they hurt our people, particularly our children. American children committed suicide because of those lockdowns and school closures. And it falls to the feet of Tony Fauci and Deborah Burks. And they cannot, we must investigate them. Uh, Dr. Alexander, how do people get to you on social media? And what is your uh, website, sir? Uh, my website is drpaulalexander.com. No spaces, no caps. But my uh, substack is Alexander space COVID space news. And, and, and it's available for free. I put a lot of information out there daily in the substack. And um, I try to just share information uh, to inform the public for their own decision making. Dr. Alexander, honored to have you on here, sir. Look forward to having you back. Dr. Paul Alexander, a former member of President Trump's administration. When Dr. Alexander talks about statistics and analysis, uh, he's talking on the medical side and uh, himself as a medical professional, a scientist. I want to go to Richard Barris. Richard, we just got about a minute on this side, but I want to keep you over. Uh, Nevada, we're going to have Jim Marchand up a couple of polls the other day. I know you've been all over Nevada uh, as a critical swing state. Give me a minute uh, before we go to break of your assessment of where we stand in Nevada, because some of these polls come out the last couple of days and it's great news for Jim Marchand. Maybe not such great news for the rest of the uh, Republican slate. Yeah, you know, I, I got to tell you at the Senate level, uh, you know, that they, they really have been making an outreach there, Steve, you know, and it's uh, I, I think it's showing. I mean, the bottom line is that I think that uh, this is the first ever real big push we've seen uh, from a national ticket to try to win uh, Hispanic voters or at least try to take, you know, a lion's share of them. And in the recent polling that we've seen real quick before the break. Uh, you know, they're doing better in Clark County than they are doing it at, at the chance of flipping Washoe where Reno is. So that's that's the highlight from these these polls. Uh, you know how, how much you want me to go into it before the break. But it's a big deal. I, I tell you, I tell you, let's take let's let's take a short break. We're going to get back. There's been a couple of polls that have kind of shocked us. Uh, I think Suffolk University, the USA Today poll, I think the Reno paper uh, published it, USA Today. Um, it talked about, you know, Laxalt, uh, what he was down, you know, maybe. And you're saying, hey, these guys are very strong with the Hispanic voters out there. The polls look yeah. good for our Jim Marchant, but we got to question everything else. Short commercial break. We got Richard Barris. We got Jim Marchant. We got General Bolduc up in New Hampshire. And breaking news, is John McAfee dead or not? His wife claims, wait for it, that McAfee is alive. Mark Eglinton is going to join us in all that. After the break, here in War and Battleground. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer. Every year, year in and year out, heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. 
You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WARROOMHEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today. Check it out. They put Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, it's primary day. Uh, John Fredericks, by the way, is going to be doing live reporting tonight, Florida, Oklahoma, and uh, New York, a bunch of key races there. But, you know, these primaries are very late. I always question why they're having these primaries in August before these massive uh, either presidential elections or midterms. Um, seems very late to me, but hey, who am I? Um, but I will tell you, we're already into the, we're already into the thick of it in a bunch of states. Rich, I just want to go back for audience because you're kind of revered among uh, MAGA and among the Warren Posse. Here's the disconnect. Um, I, I see these polls coming out now and I see all the work you're doing on the Hispanic side and, 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 and then I see Marchant. Why is it Suffolk and some of these other polls are showing that um, Laxalt seems to be losing altitude? You know, the race was quite tight. You had some great polling about this. I want you to get into it. But then now... This USA Today Suffolk poll, unless you're going to tell me it's all one-sided, that show him down seven. The, gu- the gubernatorial candidates, I think, down four. Uh, the attorney general's down four. Jim Marchant's up almost five, four and a, 4.85%. W- what's going on from these public polls, and what can you tell us different than the an- analytics that the People's Pundit is doing, sir? Yeah, you know, right off the bat with Suffolk, we went through this in 2021 with Suffolk, Steve. I don't know if you remember, but we were headed into the fall and, you know, we told you Virginia in 2021 was going to be uh, close, that Yunkin was, you know, ahead. Those polls did not hurt or mirror whatever term you want to use, including Suffolk, uh, until, you know, people like myself and Trafalgar pushed them 
to herd. So we were we were releasing polls showing that Youngkin was up. There is a real response bias among Republican voters in the summer. Everybody knows it. Uh, and it would be worse in a state like Nevada because we're having this shift of Hispanics right now, and they are very difficult to reach, especially explain to the audience, explain to the audience what response bias is and why it's so prevalent in Republican polling among Republican voters. It's it's huge. And what it basically is, is that, you know, there are certain times, whether it's seasonal or whether there are events that happen where some voters are more willing to participate in polls than others. It's typically the case that Democrats are more willing uh, that even more educated people, whatever you want to call them, they love to give you their opinion. Republicans are not like that. And working class people are not like that. And when you hit the summer stretch, Steve, it's a it's a fundamental difference between people, which is like, eventually we, we work, we work hard. Uh, and then we want to enjoy ourselves and we don't want to be bothered with some, you know, the politics like, uh, you know, all the time or picking up a, a phone all the time to speak to a pollster. Even if they are paying attention, they don't want to give you 20 minutes of their time. They'd rather be outside in the pool with their kids or they're on vacation, uh, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and every again, this is well known in this industry. And this is why uh, for the last three cycles, especially, you know, we have been, you know, telling people over and over again, we've seen this movie before, uh, you know, it looks like the polls are, are, are looking better for Democrats. What will really matter, uh, you know, is not these pre-Labor Day polls, but the post-Labor Day polls and the trend, not the headline of what they say, but the trend. You know, we have incumbents up this year, Ron Johnson, who uh, have faced tough re-elections, didn't lead in a single poll. Yet uh, one pretty easily on election night uh, was among the first to be called. This is what polling does, unfortunately. And I'm not saying, you know, throw it out, you know, to, to ignore polling altogether. Of course not. But I am saying you have to remember how these people have behaved in the past, how they performed in the past. And there's a handful of us who know how to deal with the summer. And uh, USA Today, Suffolk University, with all due respect, is not one of them. And in fact, they never put Yunkin in the lead running up into that election. So uh, I was on your show uh, a week before the election telling you why they would be wrong, why yep. we would be right. Yep. And they were. They were wrong. La la yep. Last, I know you're doing tremendous work <laughs> on the Hispanic side, and we'll get to that when we have you back on. Just one last thing. When you see a Suffolk poll, we see these polls and talking about the bias and, and talking about their, what, what are we to derive from? I mean, Laxalt, I'm just taking their poll. He's down seven. The governor's down four or five. The AG's down five. And Marshant, who, let's be honest, even the ticket in the Republican establishment have been beaten on as hard as the Democrats. He's up 4.8 for every yeah. <laughs> What? How do you, how do you, what, what do you take that? That Marshant's name's just out there more. His campaign's working. What do you, or should we forget that too? Is that, yeah. is that also a misread? No, no, no. I, I do think there's something there. And then also as well that there's just more partisan uh, loyalties when it comes to those, especially those two top of the ticket uh, races. But then with the administration, you know, uh, the AG could be, you know, a one off there, Steve. But when it comes to the Senate and the governor, I'm not surprised that it would be more pro-Democrat because you just have more partisan loyalties at the top of the ticket. We're seeing that in other places in Ohio, um, you know, a lot of other states where, you know, it leans obviously very heavily Republican, but then down ticket looks like Democrats have the potential to do a little bit better. It's the reverse in a state like the Silver State uh, because it doesn't have the, the right wing leans uh, that, that a place like Ohio does. 
So, uh, you know, it, it also a matter of interest, you know, really, really is, um, down ticket. Yeah. It gets a lot looser. That partisan loyalty gets looser. That's a good point. Wow. The message get through. Point. How do people get to the people's pundit? How, how do they follow you? Cause the people always ask, so they want to know yeah. what Trafalgar thinks and they want to know what Barris thinks. So how do they get to you? Yeah, generic ballad's going to be in the field shortly, and they can find it at uh, Locals is the best place, peoplespundit.locals.com, but on Getter at People's Pundit and uh, on Truth at People's Pundit. Uh, and uh, there's an underscore in there on Twitter, Steve, but the best place is Locals, peoplespundit.locals.com. Okay. Coming out soon. Okay, Richard, Coming thank you very much. Thanks. Generic. We're looking, as soon as, you, as soon as you come, we'll back, have you back on the war room and spend a lot of time to go through it. Your stuff's great. All the best. Um, I'm going to go to Marshawn now. Mar By the way, I should say your wife stuff's great. You're a pretty good guy on camera. Um, I want to go to Marshawn. Marshawn, do you think it's because your message? That's why I want to have Barris tee it up, because he says that there's all this partisanship at the top. You know, automatically knee jerk reaction, governor, senate. But when they get down to AG and Secretary of State, they're they, hey, they, they're looking maybe for. Who's putting forth the best program? Do you think that's true? Do you think you're re this is an anomaly? Nowhere else in the country on any poll do we have such a divergence of divergence of you got a Senate candidate down seven, a governor down five, an AG down five, and look at it, wait for it, uh, a, a, a I would say a controversial Secretary of State up four point eight. What do you make that? Is that is that just an anomaly? Is that is that a bad poll? Or is there something there, Jim Marchand? I think there's something there. Um, I've been working hard since November 4th uh, trying to get the message out about the uh, election integrity uh, issue, uh, not only here in Nevada, but uh, all over the country. And I think that message is resonating with a lot of people uh, here in Nevada and around the country. So I think there's something there. And, and even though Trafalgar didn't do... Um, a, a poll on the Secretary of State, uh, I think I would have been up in that poll too, maybe even more, because I think they're a little more respected than, you know, some of the uh, some of the other pollsters, but uh, I think there's something there. And, you know, I haven't got off my message. Uh, normally, when you get by the primary, everybody says, oh, you need to moderate and, you know, you got to go after the middle, the independents. But, I think that's where I'm getting a lot of the support, and I am getting a lot of support from the Hispanics here uh, also, tremendous support from that group. And uh, so I think there's something there. And, you know, I'm, I'm just standing so on Marshawn, here, but here, Marshawn, yeah. here, here, here's what I don't understand. The, the Guardian of London, uh, the Financial Times, you know, these international papers that only deal in players. When I see Jim Marshawn, he's an election denier. This is part of the Trump uh, cult of Trump. What is it that, folks in the silver state what are nevadans what when you're making that pitch to independents and democrats what are they hearing that the rest of the world either chooses not to hear or twist well they're hearing that that i'm going to enable and implement a fair and transparent election system uh here in nevada and we're trying to roll that out uh, all over the country through our coalition and that's what they're hearing. And that's the number one topic everywhere I'm out uh, speaking. And I get requests to come speak uh, a lot of places here in Nevada uh, because they want to hear the message. And the number one question is, how are we going to affect the 22 election with the same people in charge that were in charge in 2020? 
And that's some of the things, the way I answer that is we've been doing a lot of things behind the scenes uh, to try to make sure that we can mitigate a little bit some of the potential for uh, election manipulation. And uh, so they like that. And that that message is resonating out there. And, you know, that may be why. I mean, I was surprised to see this poll also because the amount of money that the Democrats and the Republican establishment have thrown at me. Matter of fact, today I just learned that the Nevada Chamber of Commerce, a business organization, is endorsing my Democrat opponent. Can you believe that? That's how scared they yes, are I can. of they're, me they're, but... winning this election. So why would uh, why I'm, why, I'm why would the Chamber of Commerce if 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 a group that if a guy that the Hispanics are, are turning to because they want free and fair elections, why would the Chamber of Commerce support your you know Soros type um, Secretary of State opposition, sir? Well, that's a that's a good question because uh, I'm a businessman first and foremost, and when I interviewed with them, and my opponent is an attorney, he's an activist, he's always been a Harry Reid aide, and has no business experience at all. I have enormous business experience as the CEO of three successful technology companies, and you would think that they would endorse me, but no, they're going after the uh, the Democrat. And you know, there's a lot of reasons there. They're very soft. They're very uh, establishment, and they're bought and paid for by the uh, the Republican establishment and the Democrat establishment, and they've been told stay away from me, just like a lot of the other uh, politicians here. You know, they don't, you know, they haven't embraced me because they're scared because I haven't got off message yet and and am continuing on like I did in the primary. So uh, they're not, uh, you know, that's fine with me. I'm, I'm, I think I'm up in the polls and, and they're either not as, as much or they're that's down. Pretty, so uh, I'm pretty, just going to continue on and, pretty and do my thing. Pretty shocking. Uh, Jim Marshawn, how do people get to you and find out about this extraordinary campaign? Yeah, jimmarchant.com, J-I-M-M-A-R-C-H-A-N-T.com. And also our coalition. I mean, we obviously we need help financially. I mean, I'm getting blocked by everybody. As you see, the Chamber of Commerce is not backing me. Uh, You can imagine how many donations that uh, that includes. So. Uh, we need a lot of help. I need the War Room Posse to step up and help me and help our coalition, which is SOS, the number four, America.com. And that helps all of our candidates. We need to get all of our candidates in our coalition elected all around the country. And, uh, and we need all the help we can get because uh, we're not getting it from the establishment on the Democrat side or the Republican side or the RNC or none of them are stepping up and helping us because they're scared of my message. Jim, thank you very much. Honored to have you on here. As you did in the primary, continue to fight. I want to bring, I think I got, thank let's go to New Hampshire now, the Granite State, live free or die. Thank you, Jim. Uh, I want to go to General Bolick. Uh, General, uh, Jim Marchant had literally $2.5 million dumped on his head by the Republican establishment, the Republican establishment in a Secretary of State primary unheard of number for a general election in the weeks just running up in the weeks just running up to uh to the uh to the election you're, you've you've had the same situation tell us what's going on sure same situations going on here you know the establishment uh at all levels from everywhere uh you know are against my 
candidacy. Uh, they have absolutely no reason other than they won't be able to control me. I'll work for the people. Um, and so, uh, you know, they have pulled out all the stops. And now that I have. But, but, but General Bullock, but hang, hang on. Let me just sorry for a second. You, you were on the other day. And I can give the praise of your thing. You started as an enlisted man. You entered as a private. You became a sergeant. You were selected to go to officer candidate school because of your leadership and your valor. You became an officer. You're not a West Point grad. You didn't go to Princeton like Millie. You're not. You went. You're a New Hampshire guy, right? You you got you become one of the most revered generals in the army. Not only you're wounded in combat. You you've led troops in combat. You've lost troops in combat. Then you get positions whether it's afghanistan or in africa of a scale of like a fortune 50 ceo of the scale and complexity and all i hear is oh bolick's not really qualified to be a senator and i look at your opposition i got a crypto guy and these are fine people don't get me wrong they're a crypto guy i got a couple i got a guy that's a town councilman or a town manager or a city they're all not a serve they're all kind of very nice people but quite frankly have very tiny resumes and really don't know anything about the world you've been all over the world leading men in combat men and women showing leadership here's what drives what is it in new hampshire sir that has these guys saying you don't really have the qualifications to sit in the united states senate well i you know it's just that i have challenged the uh, status quo i've challenged republicans and democrats that aren't doing the right thing for uh, Granite Staters. I have literally, since uh, 8 November 2020, uh, fought against mass mandates, fought against uh, vaccinations, fought against any kind of lockdowns. And at the local state level here in this state, and we know at the federal level, that was the game. And they hurt a lot of people. And I didn't think that was right. And so I, you know, placed blame, whether it was a Republican or a Democrat, uh, on the people that did it. Uh, and and that's what Granite Staters want. They're tired of career politicians. So I have people that on one hand, uh, you know, like the governor at one time told me I had the best credentials and the best resume and the best portfolio to be a United States senator when I was running against Gene Shaheen. But for somehow now that I'm running against Maggie Hassan, I don't have the qualifications. And it's quite simple. I've emerged as somebody that they won't be able to control, somebody that's going to work for the people, that is going to go down and do what our founding fathers wanted our senators to do. And that is be an ambassador from the state in which you come from to serve the people in that state. And by doing that, you'll also serve Americans. And we can see that is not being done economically, spending wise, security wise. Everything is being done absolutely you know, uh, inappropriately and and it has a negative effect on the American people in Granite Staters. So let's not have that. Let's not have someone that's going to go down there and work. Let's have someone who's going to still invest in the career politician model with special interests and lobbyists and and kowtow to rich people uh, who are politically connected and the hell with the rest of us. And that's what we see. And that's absolutely wrong. And they're fighting this tooth and nail in there, you know, they called over a hundred people, over a hundred people to run against me after Sununu said he wasn't going to run over a hundred people and only two of them, Chuck Morse and Kevin Smith said that they would do it. 
both of them establishment guys, both of them guys that are going to do exactly what they're told. They've both been bought and paid for. Don Baldick has it. And it's as simple as that. Uh, General Bullock, I want everybody in the country, and particularly all the live free or die uh, granted staters, to make sure they get to. How do they get to your campaign? I want everybody to get to your social media, the friends of Bullock on Facebook, but I want to get to your campaign. How do they do that now? They do it by going to www.donbaldick.com, B O L D U C.com. Please go there and help. And we're getting help, and I really appreciate it. And I want to say thank you. We've, we've been able to put up ads as a result of the help that we're getting. Uh, from your show so thank you it's not it's it, it's not us i gotta tell you that's what i have you on our audience once they hear it they go there they make their own decisions and they're they're big supporters of yours general bolick we got a punch thank you very much honored to have you on here sir live free or die amen god bless you honored to be on as well thank you sir i want to go to, uh, it, and we're going to have him on more tomorrow mark eglinton is the biographer of mcafee and i had to get him on here because breaking news when we started the show and he joins us from scotland tonight thank you for staying up we only got a couple minutes eglinton here's what i don't get brother the wife of mcafee you're the kind of definitive biographer you spent time with him you got the book the 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 the, the, the is the wife coming out with an hbo movie or special tomorrow documentary that says mcafee's alive mark no no, what, what we've got here, this isn't John's wife saying this. This is a, a former girlfriend of John's who fled uh, Belize with him. And this isn't even her documentary. She's just interviewed in it. And this is a, this is a documentary by a UK company who approached me. And there, there is a great documentary coming out tomorrow. But the, 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 the line they are going with at the end of it apparently is that John's still alive. And this is, I mean, absolutely news to me and everybody else in the McAfee world. But let me just, in the McAfee world, do, do we have the body? It's been over a year, is it not, Mark, when you first came on here? Do, do, is the body, is, is it still in a, in a refrigerator in Spain? Where, where is McAfee's, where is either McAfee's remains or McAfee's body today, sir? Yeah, my understanding, and, and this is something we've discussed before, and this, this only complicates what we're hearing today, is that that body, as far as my understanding, is still in Spain. Uh, I, I speak to John's wife quite regularly as recently as a couple of days ago, and she is still campaigning, uh, trying to get legal help, trying to get financial help to get his remains released. Uh, so this, in combination with this bizarre claim that John's still alive, just really doesn't add up. And quite frankly, at this point, who knows what the truth okay. is. Okay, how do people get to your book? I want them to read the book. Tomorrow you're going to see the documentary. You're going to come back on. How do they get to your book? Well, you get to the book, they're going to Amazon. That's what it looks like, the John McAfee tapes. You've been kind enough to give it a push. I'll keep pushing on Twitter if people want to follow me there. Uh, it's out there everywhere. Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Watch the documentary. Read it, the book. Go, go, go to Amazon and get this book. Tomorrow we're going to have Eglinton on and we're going to discuss. Is John McAfee still alive? We'll see you back here at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning in the war room.